Blog Talk Radio. And good morning, sports fans. I think, uh, Tom, the music seems to not be working today, which is kind of weird. Um, I don't know why it's not. Tom, you can hear me, right? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, did you hear the music, or was that was it not working? It wasn't working. I think you got to turn the volume up, though. I thought it was. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's see. Oh, there you go. Beautiful. I'm, I'm, that's beautiful. Okay. Hit it. I, uh, yeah. I punch guess that I, music. No, we can't right. start the show. Punch the music. All right, Papa, I got it. my volume all the way up. That was a rookie mistake. But uh, good morning, sports fans. Um, welcome to another week, uh, weekend edition of Weekend Sports Huddle. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Um, unfortunately, we do not have Dave Holcomb here today. He is sadly working, and he can't get out of work just for an hour to come with me, Tom and I. So, Dave, we're thinking of you, but, you know, I think if you really wanted to, you could cop out of work and come do you show? No, I'm just kidding. You know, I, I kind of agree with you, Hunter. I, I think Dave is just uh, copping up on this today. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what his problem is, but, hey, we are going to have a good show anyway. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. You know, I, I just don't think, you know, maybe Dave just doesn't like us anymore. Or, you know, he just he doesn't want to feel your wrath of uh, you Clint Hurdle and about the Cubs. I, I think he's exhausted because of those Facebook live been making lately because um, you know he has been you know he has been making live posts uh, for three days in a row so uh, might be exhausted if you go to our Facebook page uh, Weekend Sports Huddle you can take a look at what Dave's done but you know the guy's probably just exhausted yeah yeah I, I could see that too and from his so called little playoff beard when it looks like there's nothing there <laughs> Whatever. Um, I have more of a beard than that. But if you guys really want to check them out, go to Weekend Sports Huddle's Facebook page. They're about 15 minutes long. I accidentally forgot about the one last night. I was playing Fortnite with a couple of friends, and I tuned in about 15 minutes in right as Dave was going off. But he stayed on an extra five to six minutes because Dave loves me. So thank you, Dave. Uh, sorry I was distracted by my friends. <clears throat> um so our show for today, we're going to be talking about the Penguin Squires series. It's 1-1. Both teams have had pretty uh, good games as the series was shipped to Philadelphia. Um, the Cubs lost two out of three to the Bucks, and they now have the same record as the Nationals, who are also struggling. The Nationals have lost eight out of ten. And Clint Hurdle, the Pirates manager, had some harsh words with Javier Baez after Baez did a bat flip for his home run. Um, we want to invite our audience to join in the conversation. Um, you can give us a call, 516-387-1417. Or if you're too shy, you can tweet us at our Twitter handle at WKD Sports Huddle. And joining me on uh, uh, is uh, Tom Pollan from uh, Chicago, Illinois. Tom, how are you today? It's a very windy, rainy Chicago, Illinois today. Um, I'm doing great, but uh, boy, that weather is nasty out there. So glad I'm indoors uh, and just talking sports for an hour with you. Oh, it's beautiful and, and it's sunny here and it was 80 degrees here yesterday. Oh man, it was gorgeous down here. I don't want to hear it. I, I love don't it. Hear it. <laughs> well, you know, Chicago is almost cold almost year round, so that's unfortunate. Oh no, it's not. Summers are beautiful here. 
Yeah, you got that. Got that. Okay. As always, this show is brought to you by author Marco Sacchio. Learn the secret of the human mind and the laws of the universe that will guide you to your wealth and health. Learn more at www.marcosacchio.com. Tom, the Penguins, blew the Flyers out of PPG Games Arena in Game 1 by a touchdown. But then they lost last night 5-1, to one, despite playing actually pretty decent, pretty good, but they just didn't get the bounces. Um, Tom, what were your opinions of the first two games, especially last night? Well, I've watched first half of game one. Uh, after that, it got kind of ridiculous, tell you the truth. Uh, the way the uh, Penguins were blowing the Flyers out, Flyers didn't even look like a uh, – Flyers – Looked like they could have been the Carolina Hurricane or, or you know, another team the way they were playing. Uh, couldn't clear their zone. Uh, Ryan Elliott just, you know, terrible in net, but he wasn't getting much help. Uh, it seemed like the Penguins were a step ahead of the, the Flyers all night. And I, I don't kind of get, you know, it, that's why I was surprised yesterday, uh, last night, when the Flyers looked like a completely different team. Uh, I mean, game one, Elliott, I mean, the first goal was his fault uh, when Russ corralled the long rebound. But the second goal, I, Elliott got no help at all. Kyle Haglin, you know, set up camp, could have roasted marshmallows waiting for the puck in the slot. So... <laughs> um, you know, there, there was nobody there. It's like the, the Flyers couldn't clear their zone. They couldn't uh, break out any kind of offense. And just looked terrible to me. And that's why I was a little surprised about last night, just night and day, the way these two teams looked. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, the Bengals really did blitz Brian Elliott. I mean, he also hasn't gotten a lot of playing time the past couple months. He was out for 25 games. Then, you know, get thrown back into a playoff series. And that stuff happens when you play the Penguins. Um, <clears throat> last night's game. Yeah, um, the Penguins weren't supposed to do what they did last night either. Yeah, they they, they were also very unlucky, I, I, I thought. Um, they lost a special team in battle. I mean, who, who predicts that? I mean, the Penguins' number one power play throughout the season, 26.2%, led all NHL teams. And they dropped duds on the power play, which, you know, you don't really expect from the league's top power play. Um, they, I think, um, they also, um, Matt Murray also didn't have as strong of a game last night, I thought. Um, there were a couple goals I think he should have had. I think the first one was a bit of a, a weak one to allow. Um, the, the puck squeaked by him. And then, even on the third goal by Travis Konecki, when he blew past Trav Bowie, don't, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I thought I thought he could have maybe taken off the angle, and I think he could have had it. But um, there was also just a lot of missed opportunities last night, I think. Um, Cindy Crosby had a breakaway halfway through the second period. I mean, I thought when that, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's scoring. And then I, of course, he didn't. So I'm like, okay, I guess I won't make predictions for that anymore. <laughs> and then at the end of the period, um, missed an easy tap-in. I mean, how many times do you see Cindy Crosby miss a tap-in like that? 99% of the time, that goes in. Um he gets to the media. He goes, I wasn't sure whether to one-time it or to stop a puck, so hence that why that happened, because it looked like yeah. half and half. Um, so if that goes in, it's a 2-1 game going into the third, and it could be a different you know, outcome. One of the problems is Crosby just, I mean, Elliott stoned it uh, on the breakaway. Yeah. And that might have affected uh, what Crosby was thinking uh, as the game went on, because yeah, he, he got I mean, Elliott uh, played him perfectly on that breakaway uh, opportunity and got the glove up, um, uh, beat, you know, beat Crosby high side. And, 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 and yeah. it kind of showed you what, what the Penguins were for for the rest of the game after that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um he was he was a lot better than I thought he was. He looked very shaky at the start. Um, wound up post by Patrick Hornquist and from way out. I thought that actually went in at first. Um, Riley Shane hit the post. Uh, I think Crosby hit another post. <clears throat> um, 
Oh, I'm just now in the middle of cold this week. They keep coming back on me. It's just very annoying. Um, I was about to you always seem to, yeah, you seem to uh, I, I was sick for a bit. Then, then they went away, and then it just starts to come back. It's just very annoying. The weather changes down here are just really bad. I apologize. I should be good. Anyways, um, they just had a lot of missed opportunities. They, they, but they dominated the shots, 36 to 20 scoring chances they were in favor of. They only limited the fires, like I said, to 20 shots, 30 shot attempts. I mean, that usually wins games in the playoffs. But um, I did think, I mean, Brian Elliott really did steal this game, but this is the way he's going to have to play, you know, if, if the Penguins keep playing like this. If, he, if they fire, they won't win this series. And, of course, they have to get, you know, eight, some not-so-good goals off for Matt Murray. But <clears throat> I picked the Penguins in six from the start. I mean, I expected them to lose two games, so here's one of them. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know, I, I wasn't bad in the slightest last night. I'm not upset. And I'm just excited for game three. I always get really um, worried if they drop both of these games in Philadelphia. Even if they split and it's 2-2 going back to Pittsburgh, I, I'm pretty confident because I've been in that situation before. But if they lose both, I'll be pretty good. All right, so you're not worried about the Penguins being down home ice right now? No, no. I think they, they've been in this situation before. They know how to – um, play, you know, just a couple of years ago. I know it's, you know, um, two years ago that they dropped home ice to the Rangers and then they went on to win three straight. So, I mean, could that happen? I mean, yeah, maybe. Could not? Yeah, but they also went down 2-1 to Ottawa last year and they weren't really out of the next four. So, um, so, I mean, I'm not worried unless they drop both games in Philadelphia, really. Okay, I mean, that, that – you know, I'm with you on that. I, based on what I've seen the first two games, um, I, I still think Pittsburgh's the more talented team, the better team. I the Flyers got some excellent work yesterday, uh, particularly from uh, from Elliott again, uh, Sean Couturier, uh, who uh, played an outstanding game, played a lot of minutes. Tom, how'd you pronounce what? that name? How'd you pronounce that uh, name? Couturier. Couturier. Couturier, okay. John Couturier. Now, these, these darn French names, I mean, you don't I have know. that problem in baseball. It's a hard uh, You know, baseball, you know, it's very easy, you know, like Javi Baez or Wilson Contreras. I mean, you got no problem uh, pronouncing names. It seems like hockey. You always have to look <laughs> up these pronunciations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I really did like this quote from Mike Sullivan. He goes, someone asked him about it. He goes, it's hockey. Some nights the puck just doesn't want to go in for you. It wasn't for a lack of scoring chances. And I was like, yeah, that basically sums the game up last night. They got a lot of good chances, and the puck just didn't go into that. But I thought the the Flyers were a lot better as far as clearing the zone. Uh, yeah, they were. And, and, and protecting in front of Elliott. I, I, as I said, I don't think they gave Elliott a whole lot of help in game one. Uh, looked like they were very scattered on defense. So I, I think that had a lot to do with it, too. The Flyers made um, some very big uh, adjustments from game one to game two to be able to, uh, you know, at least give Elliott a chance, maybe. Uh, give Elliott a chance on maybe some lower percentage shots by the Penguins uh, that, he, that he, you know, would have a better uh, better chance against and, and seemed to work. So, and, and that was the main, as I say, the main difference that I could see between game one and two. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, they were definitely a lot better around him. Um, they, they were able to clear the chances from around the, the high danger areas. Which is good. I mean, he's, I thought he was in game one when he allowed the first goal because I don't know what that was to Brian Russ. That was terrible. Um, that, yeah, it's going to have to stay that way. Yeah, it's, 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 I didn't hear that last part. Uh... Um, I said he's going to have to play that way if, if, if the Flyers want to win uh, three, three more times, and uh, the defense will as well. Yeah, well, when do they play again? They're playing tomorrow. tomorrow afternoon in Philadelphia. 
All right. What do you? How do you see that game coming out? Uh, how did the? How, what adjustments do the Penguins make now? Um. Oh, good question. Um. I think uh, a little. They have to be a bit better in their own zone. Um. I think they're going to make adjustments to the power play. Um. Whether it's um maybe some different zone en- uh zone entries uh maybe shooting the puck more because they kind of got away a little away from last night shooting the puck on the power play. I thought they. Pass up too many quality shooting opportunities. Um, I think they'll definitely switch. Uh, Mike Sum will probably look at that. Um, defensively, I think they'll potentially uh, be better in the neutral zone where they kind of got a little carried away last night. But other than that, I don't really see too much. Uh, maybe if they uh, switch a couple of the lines a little bit, maybe putting uh, Zach Aston Reese on the third line and bumping Connor Sherry off. But other than that, maybe not, probably not too much. How do you think uh, losing Chris uh, Letang affected the power play last night? Honestly, it doesn't, hasn't really affected it all year. Um, they've been rotating with him and Justin Schultz um, the entire season. It's like I think I think throughout the season, I think it's been half and half, if I remember correctly, for power play time on the first unit. So there really is no downgrade from uh, Letang on the top power play to Schultz. Both of them run the power play very well. Um, it's just the effect of having two really good uh, power play quarterbacks. But overall, like, overall, if you lose him during a game at even strength, it, it would be a killer to the Penguins. Thank goodness he was able to come back and be okay. And it, was just, it was just a bad cut on his, on his hand. That was kind of nasty. Yeah, well, fortunately, right, he'll be back. Uh, that wasn't anything serious, and he's, he's going to be back out on the ice in game three. But uh, – all right, it, you know, and I, you know, not being as familiar with the Penguins, uh, it just seemed like the power play wasn't quite as effective with Schultz out there. Uh, and I agree with you. It seemed like they were playing catch a lot in, instead of crashing the net uh, last night uh, on the power play. Yeah, they were just passing up too many opportunities. And they, they've done that at times this season. And, um, uh, and I saw them. We'll call them out after the game and saying that, like, yeah, come on, like, you can't, you, you can't do that. Um, um, you know, I'm not someone also. Also, on, on another point, um, I don't blame refs for losses. I never have. I never will. But I mean, uh, the re- officiating last night for both teams, I thought, was absolute garbage. Um, the calls they were making on both teams, it was just a travesty. Um, they let this. Um, Connor Sherry boarding, um, on program on Connor Sherry, uh, textbook boarding call go, which I was like, okay. And then they gifted the Flyers a power play at the end of the first period for something that wasn't even half as bad as that. And then, of course, the Flyers score on that. And it's like, where's the – if you're going to call it in one way, keep it. Don't just, like, go down and take tack and stuff. And, and then um, they actually call it a horse, Patrick Harkless, an, an embellishment call. We're somehow embellishing a cross check to the boards. I didn't even know you could do that in hockey. That's been with a lot of fans in the third period last night. Um, Tim Peel and Wes McCauley sometimes like to make the game about themselves. And, um, you know, these are these two refs. We're voted the two best refs, apparently, by CBC and the players. But um, maybe it's just safe to say that no NHL refs are good at their jobs because last night was a pretty uh, – it was pretty sickening to watch the officiating for both clubs. I thought both teams were getting away with a lot of garbage. Um, Tim Peel should probably never work a playoff game again. West McCullough is also really bad, too. Um, hopefully they, they, uh, they get trained actually how to make proper calls because it was just terrible. That, that, that's just the way for both teams. I don't know how many times I can say it. Fix your refs, NHL. It's just terrible. Oh. Yeah, that's pretty harsh, Hunter. Uh, it, it was pretty pathetic last night, honestly. I didn't even know what a penalty was at a lot of points during the game. Uh, you're saying the NHL is kind of getting along uh, more towards what the uh, NFL is uh, getting a reputation for. <laughs> I don't know what a catch is. Well, hey, don't know what a penalty is either. That, that's That's pretty severe. Yeah, playoff playoff NHL refs, you never know what's going to happen. They'll either be ticky-tacky at one point, or it's just like an all-out war out there. It, it's just, there's no consistency. But I actually do think that they are the worst refs of the four majors. Yeah, I, 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 
And I, I will die on that hill. I ain't going to listen to the NHL and the OS. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. As I say, that, that, that's, that's pretty harsh, but, you know, you, you yeah. know hockey a lot better than I do. It's just, it's frustrating, you know, and, you know, they can just, they can be an all-out war, and then they'll just call something that really is not a penalty. So it's like, okay, I mean, uh, you know, you do you, but, you know, you're just making the game about yourself. But anyways, well, hopefully the refs will be better tomorrow and uh, calling actual game consistency because these games can get out of hand between these two teams. Um, I guess we're going to go to a commercial break. Um, coming up next, folks, the uh, we'll talk about the Cubs Pirate Series and how the Cubs and also my Nationals have struggled to um, <clears throat> out of the opening gate this year. So stay with us. Publishing your book shouldn't be rocket science, should it? Well, if you're an author looking to publish, you may be overwhelmed by the entire process. Rocket Science Productions is here to help. Rocket Science Productions has been an independent publisher since 2007 and has over 100 titles published, priding ourselves on our personal touch. We walk our authors through every stage of the publishing process, from copyright protection and registration to professional editing to book layout, printing, marketing, and distribution. Rocket Science Productions is your one-stop shop for all of your publishing needs. Rocket Science Productions is always looking for new authors of books for all ages and across all genres. If you are looking to be published, look no further. To learn more and to submit your manuscript for consideration, visit our website, www.rocketscienceproductions.com. And we're back here on Weekend Sports Hall. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. And uh, we want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Marco Sakia, Learn the Secret of the Human Mind, and the Laws of the Universe that will guide you toward wealth and health. Learn more at www.marcosakio.com. And if you have any thoughts on the Penguins Flyers series or the Pirates Hot Start or the Cubs and Nationals both stumbling, give us a call, 516-387-1417. Tommy! The Cubs lost two out of three to the Pirates last week at Wrigley Field. Dropped their record to six and seven, which is the same record as the Nationals have, as they lost eight out of ten, sadly, to after going four and zero to start the season. Um, uh, Tom, uh, what do you think's been wrong with the Cubs after the first thirteen games? Anything <laughs> wrong? With Jeez, that, that covers a pretty wide range of ground, but. Yeah. Uh, but I would say right now, basically, the problem has been for the Cubs is uh, more their starting pitching uh, situation. Uh, I, th- I think they've, in their victories, they've averaged more than eight runs a game. Their losses are less than two runs a game. Uh, so it's really been a lot of, uh, uh, you know, either a bang or bust for these guys that – so, you know, that that's made it a little tough. They have not gotten the start out of you, Darvish. Uh, so that uh, John Lester has had a rough time uh, coming out of the gate. Uh, Jose Tana pitched well his last game. Tyler Chap was very uh, – looked fairly good his, his first game despite some wildness uh, and just got beat all the hell in that uh, home opener against the Pirates. Uh, with uh, Polanco and Marte uh, taking him deep. So, yeah, quite a lot of problems as far as the uh, Cubs starting step, which is, uh, you know, considering how well their their bullpen is pitching, uh, it is frustrating as you think, you know, get these stars out of the gate. Uh, you know, they're more than 100 pitches. They're barely getting the five innings on it. So, yeah, that's that's going to be a rough time anyway. Um, as far as the Nationals, what are you seeing in Washington? And are you worried about the Mets and the, the quick start the Mets got out? <clears throat> um, uh, no, nah, I'm never worried about the Mets. Uh, you know, they do their thing. They choke division leads. Uh, remember that long choke about 10 years ago? Uh, they, I think they blew a three-game lead in the last week of the season to miss the playoffs. What a moment. <clears throat> what a moment that, that was. was 10 years ago. I know, I know. It's just fun this to pick is on. This year. 
No, I'm not concerned about it. I think the Nationals will catch up because they all they, I mean it's just a hot start. <laughs> but yeah, the Nationals I mean the thing with them, I think um their their bullpen's been a little shaky. I think um Brandon Kinsler's out to um just a, a bad start so far. Um he he has a very high ERA. He's not getting his fastball where where he wants it. Um also, Daniel Murphy's been out since the start of the season. He's a big hole to replace. Um, Adam, Adam Eaton's going to be coming back soon. He um, had a little another little injury scare, but it's not bad. But, um, I mean, the, the big three are pitching well. Strasburg, Roark, and um, um, Scherzer, I mean, they're just – they're pitching very well. But they're just – they haven't been getting a lot of hitting lately, which is kind of annoying. But um, – uh, I have faith that they'll pull it around. It's only April. It is only April, and I've always said you can't you can't win in April. Uh, you can lose one if you let yourself fall too far behind. But, uh, you can't win one in April. Um, you know, at least what the Nationals have to go for, Bryce Harper uh, has been pretty good out of the game, uh, given the Nationals' great power numbers. But you're right. I mean, I think for the Nationals to get going, you've got to get Trey Turner going a lot better than uh, the way he started. Uh, because mm-hmm. you get a combination of power and speed out of Turner uh, that you're not getting right now, and that seemed to make their offense go last year. Yeah, he, he, he struggled a bit out of the gate as well, which is unfortunate. Um, it, when Adam Eaton comes back, I think they have to be the one-two punch at the top of the lineup. Um, I really don't see any other way around it. Maybe you can put in Bryce Harper third or Murphy third when he comes back, but um, that's why I really do think they should, when Eaton comes back, they should still put Turner in leadoff. Because even though Adam Eaton is, has been very good at leadoff this year and had a great season, having a great season, I think he should still go second behind Turner because if Turner gets on base, he's a threat to steal at any point. And, he can get home very quick too, which is what which is what they need. They need a lot of runs because they haven't been able to get a lot of runs lately. Uh, Mets rotation, and you look at Jacob Degrom, Noah Syndergaard, Matt Harvey, Stephen Metz, and Zach Miller, all hot out of the And that's considering that those pitchers are healthy. That's an impressive rotation to go against and going to be pretty uh, um, intimidated to go against as the season goes on if they stay healthy. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the rotation is very good this year. They've gotten some pretty good hitting, too. I was surprised at how good of hit, um, their hitting has been this year. Um they were they were able to come to the Nats Park and sweep the Nats when uh Stephen Strasburg had his first um off day um of the seat of, of in a long time. Stephen Strasburg didn't pitch that well. But um yeah, um but you know, it will cool off eventually. I'm not too concerned right now, Tom. Well, nobody should be too concerned right now considering it's April. And and we're two weeks into the season. Um I know on uh, you always get a lot of concern going on that you know every, everybody's about ready to to jump off the you know jump off the cliff all of a sudden because they get oh, some problems. No. Huh? I said, oh no. Well, but that happens with any team. You know, yeah. you always got a certain percentage that you know. It seems to be like the sky is falling, and you know you're barely into the season. You know the one problem that the Cubs do have that might impact them as they go through the season is uh, Anthony Rizzo's bad back. Uh, his back tightened up on him, and he's been put on a 10-day DL. Now he's eligible to come up on Monday, but backs are a funny thing, and that worries me a bit. Uh, it affected Rizzo at the plate. He's only hitting 107 so far this year. But, you know, as I say, bats, it's hard to predict they're going to uh, react during the season. And 
Cubs really need Anthony Rizzo in the middle of that order. That's one of the pieces that they've been missing lately. Yeah, Anthony Rizzo, he's such an important player for the Cubs. You know, we, the, us Nationals fans found that all too well in the playoffs. He, he had a very um, good uh, game, game five, game four, uh, game three. And um, yeah. what I've really this year, a lot of Cubs fans seem to be trashing uh, Justin Wilson, Tom, uh, one of the Cubs release pitchers. You know, that took place a lot last year, too. When he came over from the Tigers, uh, he was actually supposed to be the solution uh, facing lefties out of the bullpen and maybe doing some closing. Uh, seemed to be fairly uh, effective uh, with the Tigers and just has not been able to bring that uh, to Chicago. Uh, ever since he's been here uh, with the Cubs. And, yeah, all through the last month of last season when he was brought over for Detroit. And so this year, it's it's not much better. His, you know, he's got 5.68 earned run average. He's been in six games. But, you know, he came out of spring training. He had very different training. It looked like the Cubs maybe may be ready to get what they thought they were going to get uh, when they traded for him. They, they really need Wilson as a left-hander or the bullpen to, to uh, find himself, find whatever he had when it was with Detroit, um, uh, like in – 2017, before he came to the Cubs, he had a, a .94 whip uh, oh, wow. for, the, for the Tigers and a 3.3 uh, fifth uh, fielding independent uh, uh, you know, percentage, which is a little bit better uh, indication of a pitching effectiveness than the ERA, but you know, came to the Cubs and, and went to a 2.0 uh, whip. So letting up two runners per inning and uh, just terrible. He, he couldn't seem to find the plate last year. And we're running the, into that again this season. <clears throat> well, you know, you know more about uh, that stuff than me. I was just, I've been seeing it on Twitter sometimes. Um, I saw a couple of Cubs fans and, <clears throat> they all they oh when Justin Wilson comes in it just seems like he does something bad every time he pitches and people just like want him almost like off the team I guess. Um, how's Jason Hayward been this year? Has he rebounded from struggling a bit last season? Well, Hayward again worked all winter on his swing uh, with uh, new batting coach Lee Davis, but really is not I don't not showing a lot of effectiveness again and I don't know it seems like ever since he's been with the Cubs he hit the season Cardinals uh year before he came to the Cubs with uh but you know ever since the Cubs he, he's been uh He's rough. He can never seem to find that swing. And in that same box again this year, is only hitting 214, uh, 292 on base percentage. And he gives you great defense, which is, you know, one of the things that you can ask for is outstanding fielder. And I guess you know, considering what he did for the Cubs when they won the World Series, kind of hooked that team during rain delay and and got their heads back in the game. Worried about that Cleveland had just you know tied it up, but you know got the team's head back in the game. So you, you almost say that the Cubs have got their money's worth on Hayward because you know, he was a Maybe not on the field, but he was a key part to winning the World Series. But you can't keep paying a guy, you're paying him, 
and, and having him, you know, hitting the low 200s and not forbidding anything on the base pass. And uh, you just do that. Uh, his uh, betting average balls in play for seasons barely been 200. And, you know, that, that's terrible. Even an average hitter should be at 280. Uh, his batting average over the last 28 days has been uh, last 14 days, 188, last seven days, 22. Not showing any inclination that he, he's going to, uh, that, that any of this is going to change anytime soon. So it's, it's going to be interesting because I think after a certain amount of time, uh, you're going to be seeing a lot more of Albert Almora in uh, right field than you're seeing at the moment. Uh, it, it's going to cost Hayward some uh, some uh, uh, time. If, if he huh. Yeah, yeah. He just he seems. I remember last season. You know, he had that. Um, he had a bit of a low batting average. Um, yeah, he didn't really um, uh, in the playoff series. You know, he didn't really impress me against the Nationals. Um, but boy, he signed that monster size contract. I remember the Nationals went after him really hard. But um, I don't think anyone expected him to uh, have this low of uh, numbers <clears throat> after his um, a little over a first season with um, with the uh, the Cubs. After he actually was very good up in down in Atlanta. <clears throat> yeah. Tom, is there anything else you'd and, like and to say? That's the thing. You know, he was 25 when the Cubs got him. They gave him the big contract. I think they were expecting him uh, based on what he's done before, that Hayward was actually coming to his prime as a player, and that they were going to see uh, a lot more out of Hayward uh, as, as far as what he would bring. Uh, but you, know, you can't struggle to score runs the way the Cubs have and continue to try and carry Hayward in the outfield, no matter how good his defense has been. Exactly. Yeah. I will be curious to see um, how how many um, games I think he's going to, how many games Hayward is going to be, uh, I guess on the bench, I should say this year, uh, in favor of someone else, uh, if his hitting just keeps uh, going down the drain like it did last season. Um, now, Tom, the, thing, is it... the thing is, Joe Madden can be very patient with guys, uh, like uh-huh. Kyle Schwarber last year in the leadoff spot. Yeah. As much as Schwarber was struggling, uh, Madden kind of kept putting him in there, kept putting him uh, in the spot, kept putting him out on the field. And I, I think that was a detriment to, Harp, uh, to Schwarber because I, I think they got into his head quite a bit. Uh, messed with his stroke and and really hurt him uh, throughout the season. Now, Schwarber's actually come back and has looked a little bit more like his old self this season. But, um, you know, how patient Madden's going to be with Hayward, uh, especially, again, where uh, in scoring position, the Cubs have been struggling. So, they're going to have to do something at some point to and get something going. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely, it definitely, it's definitely really good that Schwarber is a bit back to his old self this year after that um, that really bad knee injury that he had. Um, that was that was definitely very scary. Um, yeah, so he had back in the World Series that season and he had a great World Series. Yeah, he did. I, yeah, I I remember that. He. He came back and um he he pinch hitted, uh, if I uh, if I'm not, yeah if I remember correctly he pinch hitted for the Cubs, and um he put up some good numbers in that series against Cleveland. I was I was actually pretty surprised. And that's why Cubs fans were so surprised that he he slipped uh, last year and slipped as long as he did because I think you know as I say I think O'Madden kept him in a spot in the lineup that did and did that all season and well half the season and and kind of lost a full season out of uh, 
out of Schwarber because of it. But that that's a thing. Sometimes Madden can almost be too patient with a player and tend to need to pull the plug on someone a little bit earlier. And and, and they got Al Moore sitting at the bench and been standing off the bench. But at some point, you know, you, you got to give him more of a chance. You got to get him out uh, on the field more. Uh, he does produce when he gets out on the field. Yeah, yeah, I definitely I remember. Yeah, like like in the series against the Nationals too. Albert Almora had some very uh, clutch hits, and uh, he was very good. I think he uh, led off a couple of the games. And he was uh, very effective. Um, or that no, it was John Jones. Well, one of the two. I can't remember, but I know he was. He was very effective, and I was surprised that they weren't playing him more um, because Hayward was just struggling so much. Um. Um, I think now is a great time to go to another commercial break. Um, when we come back, uh, Pirates manager Clint Hurdle had some very harsh words for Fabio Baez and Wilson Contreras after the Cubs series. So uh, don't go away. Oops, long commercial. Sorry about that. Einstein and Moo is Jennifer Millie's exciting new children's book series about two black and white cats who are brother and sister and have great adventures. The first book, Einstein and the Leap, is all about playful Einstein. Suitable for children of all ages and cat lovers alike, Einstein and the Leap is a wonderfully written and illustrated book that will capture your heart. Buy your copy of Einstein and the Leap today at www.rsplaunchpad.com, Amazon, or Barnes and Noble Nook. And we are back on Weekend Sports Huddle. Uh, I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Um, this is, again, this show is brought to you by Arthur Marco Sacchio. We're in the secret of the human mind and the laws of the universe that will guide you wealth and health. Learn more at www.marcosacchio.com. So, um, after the series, when the Pirates took two out of three from the Cubs, uh, Pirates manager Clint Hurdle um, really went off on Javier Baez and Wilson Contreras. Uh, Tom, just t- tell us exactly, tell the listeners exactly what you said um, about what Javier Baez and Wilson Contreras did during the series. Well, you know, Baez runs in the final two game series in each of the final two games. Um, he had, he had a really effective series, was a lot of fun. Um, the problem is, is in, in game three, he uh, popped out the second base and flipped the bat, and, and more out of frustration than than actually showing off. And then Clint Hurdle comes out and says, well, you know, Javi um, – should respect the game. You watch him flip the bat in the air. Where's the respect for the game? Uh, the guy hits four homers in two, two games. And, and and Hurdle's saying that, but Baez is a very emotional player. And he was not flipping his bat to show off. He didn't flip the bat after the home runs. Flipped the bat after the infield out, after he popped out. And and that's why I think Cubs fans and I think I think a lot of people around the league are looking at that and saying, you know, well, you know, what are you talking about? And then he gets on on Wilson Contreras for arguing uh, balls and strikes with played up Gambolino. And the thing about Contreras is he's always he's always gonna be defending his pitcher. So discussing balls and strikes with a umpire uh, it's one of the catcher's jobs. I mean, there's a way of doing it where you, you know, you can discuss everything with an umpire as long as you're not uh, looking like you're showing up the umpire. So, you know, it, but Contreras is doing what he needs to do. He's trying to stand up for his pitch, trying, uh, you know, and, and trying to do what he needs to do to find a uh, consistent strike zone. 
for himself so he knows what he's calling. Um, to me, being a baseball player, and it, and it was ridiculous that Hurdle would call him out for that when he's doing what he's supposed to do on the field. I think Hurdle just wishes he had that talent when he was a player. Uh, <laughs> I, I think he was a nice hit uh, in the first round of the draft when he uh, by the Royals and uh, had a very mediocre career for being a first round pick. And uh, I think he's more jealous that he doesn't have I, I know we could get on the nerves of other teams' fans. You know, I do understand that. Uh, because he plays the game with a lot of enthusiasm. He loves playing baseball. Um, and you could see that coming out every time every time he plays. He loves playing the game. Uh, he he's he, he one of the best baseball you're ever going to see. Uh, the way he can make plays, he makes plays look routine that should be very, very difficult uh, out in the field. So, and, and sometimes he'll fall down when he's swinging because all of a sudden he starts trying to stretch that swing and trying to hit those moon shots. But, you know, there are other times when, you know, when he connects, you know, the guy's got incredible power. I think you measure his game. I always measure his game by the number of, by the ratio of face Paul moments to uh, jump drop moments. And I that's think that's, as he's gone out of the career, yeah, he, that's, he's that's, giving that's, you more broad drop moments than he has face Paul moments. So, yeah. you know, and, and as I said, I know he can irritate other, other fans, but he plays the game so hard. And Chicago fans love watching him play. Yeah, that's just a great like a great summary of Javier Baez. Um, he really will swing in anything. I remember, uh, I'm sorry, just compare compare it to the playoff series. He swung at so many awful pitches, and I just kept tweeting, just keep throwing anything to him. Throw a pitch behind him. I think he'll swing yeah. at that for all he knows. But I mean, yeah, he does have great power. He's also a great defensive play, uh, a, a great one defensive play, a great defensive uh, short. Um, player. He just makes so many great plays out in the infield. But, yeah, I think the one thing that like, that um, amazed about him is that he will swing at any pitch almost. And, you know, that it's, it's a dangerous risk. It's a dangerous game to play. Um, I don't really have a problem with his bat flip. I mean, I know it's kind of a different scenario, but was there a lot of backlash when Jose Bautista did his in the playoffs? I mean, that, that was just him showing emotion. But, um, Oh, I saw that and was just people laughing at it. Um, I don't know why people, I mean, hate bat flips in any regard. I mean, people are having fun, at least in my regard. Um, um, no, Clint Hurdle is almost acting like the NFL, the No Fun League. Um, wow. That's why I'm calling Clint Hurdle, the No Fun League, because apparently Clint Hurdle hates fun. I'll tell you something. And going back to Jose Batista, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if you don't like the bat flip, uh, get him out. Throw him yeah, out. Get him out. <laughs> you know, and, and kind of, I, I go that way in a lot of other sports in the NFL. Uh, you don't like uh, the way somebody celebrates a touchdown, well, get your butt in front of him and stop it. Yeah. Uh, do something to bring it down. I. First, you know, show me that you can do something on defense against somebody. Then, then maybe you can complain about the celebrating, but you don't want somebody celebrating. Do something about it. If you can't do something about it, then then you know it's tough luck. Then don't yeah, don't let them score. That's as simple as that. You know, Uh, and and that's the thing that always got me about the Batista bat flip. Yeah, it was an impressive bat flip. but it was a great moment. I mean, he came through in the moment. And as I say, you, you throw a better pitch next time because he sure crushed the one that you delivered. So, yeah. yeah but, exactly. I've seen, I've seen Bryce Harper have some great bat flips too. And it's like pe- people have gotten mad about it. It's like, okay, then, you know, don't throw him a pitch right down the middle next time. Right. I'd say. And, and that's what gets me in. 
And that, that's the thing, you know, Baez, you watch him, and you know he's having fun out there. And as I say, he makes plays like pop-ups behind second base, uh, kind of between second base and right field, in between pop-ups. He makes them look easy. Those are supposed to be very difficult catches. He makes them look easy. He makes uh, going into the, you know, past the first base foul line, into foul territory, he makes that look easy. He makes, you know, diving stops and throws the first. It looks like, you know, he made a routine play, but no other second baseman would have been able to make that play. And, and that's, that's the amazing thing about Baez. He's got the fastest tag in the major league. You know, the thing about Baez that, that gets me is he throws right-handed. He catches left-handed. But he's actually left-handed, in, you know, in, in everything he does. He taught himself how to field the ball left-handed and throw right-handed. Uh, how that's be- possible. Huh? I don't know how that's possible. I don't know how people do that. Yeah, and but he trained himself to throw right-handed because his dominant hand can do more uh, with the glove as far as, you know, fielding the ball and laying down a tag than it would if he were wearing his glove on his right hand. And you know, he's, he makes it work. He's made it work incredible, incredibly. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why he has one of the fastest gloves, one of the fastest tags in Major League Baseball. I, I don't think anybody else could put down a tag like Baez. And, <clears throat> again, I'll defend Wilson Contreras also. I don't think there's a catcher in the National League right now that can throw like Wilson Contreras. He has got a gun. Uh, yeah. The guy is amazing. <clears throat> yeah. All right. He, he, you 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 can't you can't steal on him. He's <clears throat> his arm is um, arguably yeah probably the, the the best in baseball I'd say. Um, but going back to him arguing balls and strikes, um, any player will argue balls and strikes. I don't know why people will get mad about that. You just have to do it. Um, in a in a timely manner, um, some umpires will um, have more leeway than others. Of course, um, there was a funny instance this year. The Nationals, uh, Anthony Rendon, got ejected for not even arguing balls and strikes. He just dropped his bat and he like to- uh, tossed his helmet a little bit, and he got thrown out of the game because the umpire wanted to make a joke out of himself, which was, you know, and it's, it was just funny. That's all, but. Um, I, I don't see why um, Cronin would get mad over a player just, you know, getting mad at, at a strike zone because some umpires really have bad strike zones. Well, some umpires are very frustrating in strike zones, and it, it goes for batters as well as catchers. Sometimes you just want to know where the strike zone is. <laughs> um, you know, it, why is that pitch – why was that pitch called a strike? Uh you know, two batters ago, and and now it's a ball. Or why was that? Why was that a ball? And now you just struck me out on it. And the pro- thing with Rendon is, well, yeah, you say a little flip of the helmet, but you get these umpires who feel like, well, the player is trying to show me up. Uh, he, he's he's and, and they and that's the thing, and that's always been the case um, with balls and strikes and. And any kind of argument with an umpire, as long as you don't show the umpire up, um, you could say a lot to them that that you normally get to say. Um, now, managers, yeah, managers come out of the dugout to, to argue balls and strikes. That's an automatic ejection. Batters, if they're walking past the umpire, turn towards him and have a couple quick questions. You know, I, I don't blame a batter for doing that. Uh Again, you may not you may have struck out now. You may get a call later in the game that you might not have got if you hadn't have talked to the umpire before. So it's it's part of the game. Uh, try and, and as I say, if you're not getting uh, not getting over the top upset, flipping your back, flipping your helmet, uh, going jaw to jaw with them. Yeah, you, you can you can discuss a couple of things with the umpire as you walk past them and, and walk back to the dugout that 
you know, maybe you wouldn't have been able to get away with otherwise. And that that's kind of why Rendon got thrown out is flip the helmet a little bit while the umpire felt like, you know, he's showing me up now. And, and that's the thing. Sometimes you just got to know who you're dealing with, whether you've got a hair trigger umpire or you got someone who's going to tolerate that kind of thing and, and not get so uh, offended by it. Yeah. Yeah. This is, it's just some umpires differ from others. And, you know, um, I just hate the ones that make the game about themselves, which is it's just, it's just it was just frustrating to watch that game because um, it, that they actually had a he actually had a valid reason too because of <clears throat> the uh, the strike zone was just all over the place and no one really knew what was going to get called on on one pitch after the other, so I think that really led to frustration in um, Rendon's case. There are some bad home plate umpires in the league right now. Uh, there's no denying that. There, there's, yeah. you know, and that's one of the problems, and that's, that's been a problem with baseball ever since the beginning, ever since they started uh, uh, started up with the game, where, you know, it, it can be frustrating with certain umpires behind the plate. You don't get what you, you don't get the call you think you should get. Um you got to, again, you got to know what umpire you're dealing with. Uh, <clears throat> and that's part of the game. You got to know who you're dealing with <clears throat> and kind of what you can get away with when it comes to uh, uh, talking to umpires and knowing which ones will put up with, uh, with certain uh, uh, issues. So, you know, that's, that's just, that's just part of the game, and the, the ones who don't know who they're dealing with, well, you know, again, that that that's a problem for you. You gotta you gotta realize that this guy's got a hair trigger, and if you toss your helmet, no matter how frustrating it is, you toss your helmet, you're gonna get tossed. That's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah, it makes. Yeah, every every umpire, every umpire I think in the league is different with uh, what you said. You know what they're going to put up with. You know some some will um, go a long ways with um, you know arguing with a manager or arguing with a player, and someone someone just says one word, uh, one another one will just um, take them out of the game. So there really there's not a lot of really consistency within a lot of umpires. I think with, with those kind of situations. Well, you got the human element that goes into it too. So, and that's one of the things that people are starting to wonder, you know, if the human element can be taken out of this uh, by these, uh, because of these uh, kind of digital, um, digital, uh, you know, digital strike zones are actually improving all the time. And you have quite a few, um, people more and more fans who are pushing and saying, uh, why are we still using, uh, why do we still need a plate umpire when we can, we have a better coverage of the strike zone digitally than we do, uh, than, than we do with uh, an umpire behind the plate. And I'm not sure actually where I fall down on, on either side of that argument, but uh, because I'm, I'm a traditionalist, but I'm also someone who does think quite a bit about technology. I don't want to bring technology back to the you know 20th century and say you know and say none of it is good for uh, is good for sports or good for baseball. I think you know you're going to have it, the human element still going to be part of the game no matter what. Yeah, yeah, that 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 would be actually be a very good discussion, I think, for one of our future shows about um, you know, like what you just said, you know, should do, do we really need an umpire to have a strike zone when you know ESPN can televise a strike zone right there for us or a local broadcast or even um on uh, Twitter there's uh there's uh what's that account? There, it, it shows the strike zone. And it says this call yeah. this team. Yeah, that account is also really good. So I think that would be a very good discussion uh, uh, one of the coming weeks about 
Um, do we really need an umpire to keep calling balls and strikes when we can have balls and strikes basically seen from right here? Um, that's, that's uh, you know, when we get Dave back, that might be a discussion to have. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, if you're listening, you know, we know we, uh, we know you, uh, just decided to check it out today. So you can come back next week and we can maybe talk about that then. <laughs> Um, otherwise, uh, we are out of time for this uh, week's episode. <clears throat> um, we will be back next week at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, for Tom Pollan, this is Hunter Hody saying uh, so long, and we'll see you all next week. <laughs>